Before we get started, just a quick thing. Be sure to subscribe to the Great Big Story podcast wherever you're listening so you can hear more stories just like this one. Okay, enjoy the episode. There is a substance that is so precious, so wondrous to have inspired a kind of worship. When the first whispers of its existence reached American shores, there was only one place on earth where it could be procured. I heard these rumors about this stuff. It's really hard to get. You can only get it from Japan. You need a Japanese person to bring it back for you. And I thought, what is going on? This is, this is a little weird. Only a select few people on the planet know of its existence at all. And its composition remains a mystery. But those who have experienced it speak of its indescribable, almost mystical properties. Once you've partaken of it, it is said, you can never go back. Everything else feels deficient. It'd be like Picasso using Sharpies on a piece of waxed paper instead of using an actual canvas and oil paints. It's as perfect as I've ever seen, and I've yet to run into anybody who doesn't think it's just absolutely fantastic. I assume the special ingredient is angel tears. And what is this magical object that has inspired such cult-like devotion? It is a brand of chalk. Hagoromo chalk is unquestionably the best chalk I've ever used. Hagoromo chalk is as good as it gets. Hagoromo, I think, is the Rolls Royce of chalk. (laughs) I like that. Hagoromo is the Rolls Royce of chalk. Yes, absolutely. I'm Drew Beebe, and this is Great Big Story. Now, you may have never given a single thought to chalk in your life, but that all changes right now. Come with us as we journey deep into the land of mathematics where chalk is king. We're going to share with you the story of Hagoromo, the most sought-after chalk on the planet, and why the world's leading mathematicians began stockpiling it. And we'll meet the brave man who single-handedly saved its legacy from being erased. Throughout today's episode, you're going to hear from a chorus of four esteemed mathematicians. I'm David Eisenbud, professor of mathematics at UC Berkeley. Dave Beyer, professor of mathematics at Barnard College. Brian Conrad, mathematician at Stanford. Max Lieblick, professor of mathematics at the University of Washington in Seattle. And guiding us through it all is producer Jackie Omanoff. You might think of a stick of chalk as an antiquated relic, or maybe just a toy used to draw pretty pictures of the sun on a sidewalk. Or perhaps you avoid blackboards altogether for your fear of horrible screeching sounds. But for a mathematician, a chalkboard means so much more. When you listen to the chalk on the blackboard, it tells you a lot about the person who's talking and communicating with you. How confident is somebody in what they're saying? How much do they really understand? How hard is somebody hitting the board with the chalk? Do you hear the chalk breaking? Are they making slow marks with the chalk on the board? Uh, Did they pause? Are they writing little tiny faint things on the board? Seeing it happen is something that transmits a lot more information than just the mathematics. But these days, the chalk world is feeling like an ever lonelier place. Yes, pretty much, you know, six-year-old children and mathematicians. And that's it. So we're the last ones left. I'm just sort of baffled 
why it is that it's become so rare. Part of the problem is an invasive species. Many college administrators seem to prefer whiteboards. Ah, oh, those people, they don't understand. We just don't feel right using a whiteboard. It smells terrible. Your hands are full of this ugly substance. With chalkboard, you clean them with water, right? With whiteboards, you know, over years and years, you get so much schmutz, it becomes absolutely filthy, really disgusting. But from the middle of writing down a sentence or a diagram, and all of a sudden the marker just gives up. What do I, what do, I do? That kind of anxiety is not something I need. Mathematicians seem to agree. The right tool for the job is a piece of chalk. But it never would have occurred to me that there could be a sense in which some brand of chalk could be far, far superior to the rest until I came across the Hagoromo chalk. The Hagoromo company first started manufacturing chalk in Japan back in 1932. But it wasn't until the last few decades that American mathematicians fell in love with it. I discovered it when I went to visit the University of Tokyo. And one of the professors there actually said to me, you know, we have better chalk than you do in the States. And I said, oh, go on, chalk is chalk. And he said, no, really. And so there was a box of it in the office that I was given, and I tried it out. And I was surprised to find that he was right. It really was better. A piece of Hagoromo is a little thicker and a little softer than a typical piece of chalk. And it has a coating to keep dust off your fingers. But it's when you actually start to use it. That's when it really comes alive. The way it writes just feels right. It just moves much more nicely, but the way it flows on a board is a bit hard to describe in words. Writing like butter is a good description. It feels like the other stuff is just like, like you grabbed some dirt, a lump of dirt, and tried writing with it. It works, but it doesn't feel right. Whereas this chalk feels like people meant this to be chalk. The legend around this chalk is that it's impossible to write a false theorem using the chalk. But I think I've disproved that many times. Once American mathematicians got word of this chalk, they wanted it for themselves. But it was still impossible to get in the States. Then David Eisenbud from Berkeley happened to meet a woman who traveled to Japan often. And he somehow convinced her to buy up hordes of chalk and bring it back to the States. I said, well, I'll, you know, there are lots of mathematicians out there who will be eager to buy this from you, and I can help you find customers. Finally, American mathematicians could get their hands on this chalk and pick it up from the trunk of her car. Professors started selling to other professors, and many more converts were born. Every mathematician I know who has come across the chalk, everybody universally agrees that it's just awesome. And we want to keep using it for as long as we can. But then, disaster struck. One night, in the middle of the night, I was on Facebook, and somebody, a mathematician on Facebook, said, this stuff has gone out of production. Hagoromo, to everybody's horror, announced that it was going out of business. I refer to it as a chalk apocalypse. I was rather shocked and wondering what we would do. After the break, the demise of Hagoromo triggers a crisis in the world of chalk and drives mathematicians to take extreme and desperate action until a savior emerges, a man who would deliver mathematics from the chalk apocalypse. That is in a minute on Great Big Story. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. 
So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Great Big Story. I'm Drew Beebe, and today, producer Jackie Omanoff is sharing the story of Hagoromo, the world's most beloved brand of chalk, which was on the verge of vanishing forever. When the Hagoromo company in Japan announced it was going out of business in 2014, it rattled the math world. They had grown so dependent on it. And in a panic, American mathematicians prepared for its imminent disappearance. They began stockpiling resources. I and quite a few other people bought supplies to protect ourselves. I calculated how many boxes would I need to last for 10 or 15 years and bought that many boxes. I single-handedly bought the rest of the Amazon supply in the middle of the night. I would just fill up my trunk with a whole supply of the stuff and then just make several round trips. With supplies of Hagoromo disappearing, the opportunity suddenly emerged for a shadowy gray market in chalk. The thought did occur to me that if I cornered the market, hey, anyone who needs this stuff in my department is going to have to come to me now. <laughs> I sort of became a dealer in chalk, selling it to colleagues. So I would reach into my cupboard in my office and pull out another box, and we'd do the deal in my office. You know, I would go out to buy up this white stuff and then come back and, you know, sell it to other people. While American mathematicians were hoarding Hagoromo, a teacher elsewhere in the world took another approach to the crisis entirely. This is Shin Hyun Sok. Years before the chalk apocalypse, Mr. Shin was a teacher in Korea. And about 15 years ago, he took a research trip to some schools in Japan. I walked into the teacher's lounge, and the chalk there was so colorful and pretty. There were neon-colored chalks. It was amazing. It was so much softer than the ordinary chalk we were using in Korea. I was so surprised when I first used it. Mr. Shin brought some Hagoromo back with him to Korea, and his students went wild over it. And so did he. He needed to get his hands on more. But the problem was, you couldn't get Hagoromo in Korea either. Mr. Shin even reached out to some local chalk manufacturers to see if they could make something similar. The answer that came back was that it's difficult to manufacture chalk like that. It was disappointing. So I decided that I would import this chalk from Japan myself. But to be able to bring this precious chalk he loved so much into Korea, Mr. Shin would have to go to Japan and meet with the head of Hagoromo. The Hagoromo company has been a family business going back over 80 years. The president, Takayatsu Watanabe, was the third generation to run it. Chalk was in his veins. And here comes Mr. Shin, a teacher with zero experience in chalk and zero experience in the importing business. 
Plus, for a whole bunch of historical and political reasons, Korean and Japanese relations can be a little tense. So he went into this meeting with Mr. Watanabe with trepidation. But as soon as they got talking, that all went away. He has three daughters, and his second daughter had come to Korea as an exchange student and was very fond of Korea and spoke Korean really well. So Mr. Watanabe and his wife would visit Korea several times a year to eat Korean food and go sightseeing. They loved Korea. So when I approached him saying I wanted to import the chalk from Japan, he welcomed the idea. He helped me out a lot. The importing business was a go. And as it turned out, teachers all over Korea loved the Hagoromo chalk that Mr. Shin was bringing in. And as his business grew, so did his bond with Mr. Watanabe, the head of Hagoromo. Over the course of 10 years of doing business together, we've become very close. Later on, he treated me almost like a son, because he didn't have a son. So he cared for me as he would his own son. But in 2014, Mr. Watanabe fell ill with cancer. His daughters all had careers of their own. So there was nobody to pass the family business on to. Even though he knew people across the globe loved Hagoromo Chalk, Mr. Watanabe had little option. He had to close the company. Mr. Shin actually went to Japan to see if there was any way he could help. He even visited other factories in Japan to see if maybe one of them could take over, but none of them fit the bill. It looked like this really was the end for Hagoromo. And then this wild idea came into his head. What if he took it over? What if he brought the technology to Korea and just kept on making Hagoromo chalk himself? He really tried to stop me. He said, you're a teacher with no experience in manufacturing. Manufacturing is a difficult business, so you should not make this decision lightly. And then he told me, go back to Korea and really think about it, ponder it, and talk with people. If you still want to do it, then let's talk again. So he went home, and he thought hard about it. And he reached his conclusion. I told him that I believe Hagoromo is the best chalk in the world. There are products that are bound to disappear as times change. But the best quality product should be the last to disappear. And I can't accept that Hagoromo chalk would disappear. He told Mr. Watanabe he was ready to do this. At that point, he said, if that really is your decision, I will help you with all that's in my power. Mr. Shin was in for a huge challenge. He had to first figure out how to get all that machinery from Japan to Korea by boat. 16 shipping containers worth. That alone took four or five months. And then the entire electrical system had to be rewired to work with the Korean voltage. Mr. Shin had to invest his savings into this crazy gambit, all for chalk. And then he had to still master the Hagoromo recipe and learn to precisely replicate the Hagoromo process, 
which is painstaking. 그렇게 해서 다른 회사들은 거의 뭐 대량으로 만드는 회사들은 There are companies out there that mass-produce chalk in a way that they can make the product in less than a day. But it takes us about three days. It's not like a quick assembly line or one-step process. Rather, it's a much more involved step-by-step process and more time-consuming. But the quality of the final product is more like handmade pottery. At least that's what the final product used to be. But the big question was, was it really the same as before? Had he got it right? And more importantly, would it disappoint Mr. Watanabe? Would he regret handing over his legacy to a teacher who had never run any kind of factory before? Once the production had started, Mr. Watanabe wanted to come to Korea and personally ensure the quality of the product was the same. So he came to the factory in his wheelchair to check each and every piece of chalk. Mr. Watanabe carefully inspected the chalk. And and he was happy. This was still Hagoromo chalk. And the rest of the chalk-loving world agreed. A student of mine from South Korea made a trip back home and came back with a box from the now Korean-made Hagoromo chalk. And a Japanese colleague of mine who's a big fan of the stuff, you know, I gave him a piece of each type, the old type and the new type, and he couldn't tell the difference. Indistinguishable. Just as good as always. Sadly, just a few weeks back on July 31st, Mr. Watanabe died in Japan. Mr. Shin calls him his friend, his mentor, and the world's best chalk craftsman of our time. But thanks to Mr. Shin, the Hagoromo chalk that he dedicated his life to will live on. There's a saying that there are teachers who have never used the chalk, but there are no teachers who have only used it once. And there's also a saying that this chalk is like a drug because you can't quit it. And luckily for mathematicians all over the globe, they never had to quit, even though that meant their stockpiles didn't seem so valuable anymore. I mean, yes, there's incredible value to this, but the value is in using it up, not hoarding it. If I look at the resolution of R over S, begins with R and then And let's S. let R equal the regularity of... of and this, these are binomial, and these are calories. In mathematics, the board is like a window into the inner workings of the subject. So going to the board is like going to the magic window where you get to see what's happening. But the only way you really see what's happening is with somebody writing chalk on the board. It is really our primary means of communicating. There's a passion when you're writing a theorem. People can tell whether it's right by how you feel writing it as much as the content. There's a real craft side of mathematics, a craft side to writing a beautiful proof and certainly a craft side to giving a beautiful lecture on a blackboard. I do feel like I am being a craftsman when I use the chalk, but it's nothing compared to my admiration for the craftsmanship that went into making the chalk. The Great Big Story podcast is a production of Great Big Story and CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Jackie Omanoff and Evan Chung. 
Thanks to Joy Jung for coordinating and translating the interview in Korean. Additional production by Noah Troop, Mariano Carranza, and Aaron Mathewson. Our executive producers are Sadie Bass and Megan Marcus. Francisco Monroy is our engineer. Raj Makija is our senior production manager. Special thanks to Katie Hinman, Ashley Lusk, Deb O, and Dave Yim. Courtney Coop is our vice president of digital productions, and Ashley Codiani is our vice president of brand and digital strategy. I'm Drew Beebe. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a new episode next week. <laughs>